This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. I want to bring a message this morning. The title of it is A Rest for Your Soul. So if you will, turn to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 28 through 30. Uh, and in this passage, there are two rests I believe this passage talks about. So this message is for those who have never been saved, and this message is for those who are saved, but do not really know why you don't have rest as a child of God. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, when I begin reading, you will immediately remember this passage because it's probably one of the most comforting passages, and we know that this passage is loved by millions of people. Jesus said this, he said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, notice, I will give you rest. He said, I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you, not maybe, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, on many occasions you've heard me when I mention the heart, when I mention the soul, Scripture says the heart and soul, that's within these bodies. We have a soul, and this soul is where our mind is, where we think. It's where the emotions are, where we feel, and most of us are stuck right there where our feelings are, and it's where our will is, where we make choices. And so Jesus is saying this, if you will come to me, you will find rest for your soul. And so you see here, there is a first rest that basically speaks about a rest from basic heart burdens, which human beings carry around. These burdens that we have uh, are a result of the inherited sin that we received from the first man, Adam. The Bible clearly says in Romans 5 that when Adam sinned, we all sinned because we were all in Adam. And so there are burdens on the souls of mankind. If you don't believe that, just look at the drug industry. Just in this nation alone, it numbers in the billions of dollars. Why would people put things in their body that hurts the physical body? It's because they're trying to find some kind of a rest for a troubled soul. And see, that troubled soul is a result of being born dead in trespasses and sins. These burdens come from a result of the inherited sin that we have. But there's also another rest. That's why I say this passage, I believe, speaks to non-believers and believers. There's also another rest. You say, I am a child of God, but I must know something I don't know. Something's not right in my Christian experience. I have a burdened heart Though I've been faithful in church ever since I was a little child, I've been faithful in church attendance, but some reason I'm not happy as a Christian. And it shows on my countenance, it shows in my relationships, it shows in my service, it shows in my giving, it shows in every area of my life. What's wrong with me? Well, there's another rest for you, and that's a rest of surrender. And so this message appeals to the non-believer. This message appeals to the believer. Everybody will be helped in this message. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest 
for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Number one, if you're taking notes, there is the rest of salvation. The rest of salvation. Again, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, you may be here today, and, and nobody knows it except you. But deep down, you either say, I still yet believe that I'm truly saved. Or you're here today, and you're thinking, I might be saved, but I'm not sure. Well, Jesus said, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, he said, I'll give you rest. So let me ask you this question. If you were to die today, and you found yourself face to face with the Lord in heaven, and he very lovingly looked at you and said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? You know, when I travel, I ask deacons this question. Sometimes I've even asked pastors this question. And it's troubling the answers that you get. People will say all manner of things. To answer that question, I'm standing in heaven looking at God, and he says, why should I let you in? I had one man say, I'm going to tell him he has to let me in. And I said, well, why would you say that? And he said, because he, he's got to let me in. And I said, well, why not? Well, I don't want to go to a place called hell. And I said, what basis would he let you in? He said, on the basis of love. And I said, well, on what basis did uh, his son Jesus Christ die on the cross? The Bible says in John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his son to the cross in death. So, my friend, if you're basing, you're getting into heaven on the fact that, well, God loves everybody, surely he'll let me in. According to Scripture, he does love you, but he's also a God of justice. He can't let you into heaven until your sin debt is paid in full. And my friend, you can't do that. You have to rely, believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, His death on the cross for you as your substitute to find salvation. And so you may be here today and you're battling with an inner conflict and some tension, and you simply have yet come to Jesus. So I want us to spend a little time considering this. This is the most important decision that you could ever make. There is the rest of salvation. This rest of salvation is a rest from the burden of sin. Uh, Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and listen, in sin my mother conceived me. So this burden of sin that he's speaking of here is that burden of sin that you and I had upon birth because we inherited this from the first man whose name is Adam. And so there's the burden of sin. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You and I were born dead in trespasses and sins, separated from God, and that sin burden that we were born with was laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, and he died with it, paying the price for it. But you must believe and you must receive to have this initial burden 
lifted from you. Psalm 38 chapter 4 says, For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. And so when I talk about burdens this morning, when I talk about a rest for your soul, your soul being troubled, what I need you to do is determine, is my troubled soul, this restlessness that I have, is it because I've never been saved? Or, yes, I am saved, but I do not live a surrendered life. I wish I could tell you exactly which one it is for you, but I can't because I can't know. Only God knows, and you can know. Listen closely to this message. Has the burden, that initial sin burden that we're born with, has it been lifted from you by the shed blood of Jesus Christ? And so that's something that you're going to have to deal with on your own. See, many times people are not very aware of what causes them to feel the way they feel. They haven't been under teaching and preaching. No one's ever shared the gospel with them. And they don't realize that what they're experiencing, what they're trying to subdue and and to suppress down with inside of them, these feelings of uh, being unsettled, they don't realize that that is the need for salvation. They think it's something else. But what really it is, it's just a need to be born again, born from above. And so uh, people live life and not realizing it, they're in rebellion to God. Instead of believing and receiving, they find themselves in rebellion against God. So you say, well, I want to have a rest for my soul. I want to have peace in my soul. Listen, you first must have peace with God before you can have the peace of God. Peace with God is when you look at the cross and you see the blood of Christ shed as your substitute for that initial burden that we all feel. And then the peace of God is when the Spirit of God invades your humanity and sets up residence, sets up umpire over your soul and gives you peace. And so that is the rest of salvation. You say, okay, pastor, well, I am saved. What, what about me? I am a child of God, but I don't have peace. My soul is not at rest, and I don't know what to do about it. Well, second point I'd like to make, here's the rest of surrender. This is a rest from the burden of self. One was a rest from the burden of sin that we were born with. This is a rest from the burden of self. The burden of sin and the burden of self are really parts of the same burden that is indwelling sin. Now look what Jesus said in in verse 29 of Matthew 11. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. Listen to what Job says in chapter 7, verse 20. Job says, I have sinned. What have I done to you? O watcher of men, why have you set your target on me so that I am a burden to myself? Now, you may be looking around and you may be thinking, well, I am troubled in my soul. I am born again. I know I'm a child of God, but I'm troubled within. You can know this. It's not Satan. 
It's not his demons. What you're struggling with is yourself. The three musketeers, me, myself, and I, is our biggest problems. So there's the burden of self. You see, our personalities were not made to be self-centered. They're made to be God-centered. Have you ever had someone tell you, this is just the way God's made me? Uh, My personality, this is just how I am. My friend, God made you to be Christ-centered, not self-centered. Your personality, when it's right, should be a reflection of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, and self-control. But you say, well, I'm just not much like that. Well, what people see is they just see you in your selfishness. You see, sin separates. Instead of making us Christ-centered, it makes us wrong-centered. Self-centeredness causes this inner conflict that we feel. Paul says in Galatians that there's a war going on within us. It's the war between the flesh and the Spirit. I want my way. The Spirit of God said, oh, no, you don't either. And he pulls you back this way. Yeah, but I want to do what I want to do. And then the Spirit of God says, no, no, no. Let me tell you the good news. If that's going on within you, that's good news. That means you are saved. We all experience this. You say, I don't even feel that. You must be born again. It should bother you when you feel this struggle between the flesh and the Spirit and you give way to the flesh self. It should bring conviction to your soul. As God's Spirit reveals to you that you're sinning as His child. And so self-centeredness causes a lot of the inner conflict that we find. Now, what did God do? When Jesus was on the cross, He took our self-centered nature, the old man, the flesh, He took it to the cross, and what did He do? He crucified it there. You say, where do you see this in Scripture? Galatians 2.20. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so, you and I, upon salvation, are free from the initial burden of sin. Saved, born again, born from above, a home in heaven. But, as a child of God, there is the burden of self the flesh. I want to have my way. I wanted God, I want both. I want you and I want this world system. And we're torn between the two. And there's freedom from that, my friend. And it comes with surrender. You see, the greatest thing that can happen once you become a child of God is to very soon for somebody to teach you that you're in Christ and Christ is in you. And you say, well, how did I get in Christ? And how did Christ get in me? Well, at the cross, Christ died for you. You believed. The burden of sins rolled away, as you see in Bunyan's story, Pilgrim's Progress. Well, not only did he die for you, he died as you on the cross. That's why Paul could say, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The sooner you and I can come to that point of surrender, where we walk saying, it's no longer I, but Christ, I'm telling you, as a believer, you experience this peace of God. You already have peace with God. But you experience this peace of God that comes when you get out of the way. You say no to me and yes to God. And so 
There is the rest of surrender, which involves the burden of self. But not only that, not only the burden of self, as you surrender, there's just this release. That's the spirit-filled life on earth. But there's also a rest from the burden of service. My friend, listen, if you are a child of God, born again, surrendered to the indwelling control of the Spirit of God, you have a spiritual gift that will rise from the top. And when you and I walk in the Spirit, exercising that spiritual gift, not only here in the local church, but also in the home and wherever your sphere of influence is in the community, when you walk in this, service is not a burden, service is a joy. It's a big difference. Now, back in Jesus' time, you had the scribes and the Pharisees, and what they would do to control the people, they would put these burdens upon them. In other words, you can't do this, you must do this, and when you do this, you got to do it exactly the right way, and you got to do it the same way every time. And they had all these rules and regulations. But the truth is, the scribes and Pharisees, they didn't fulfill any of these things themselves. They placed this psychology upon the people, and so they could control the people. And a lot of Southern Baptist churches, and especially a lot of other denominations, they do this, and they don't even realize what they're doing to the people. This is what they learned, and it's just perpetuating. And churches are filled with people who feel burdened with service. They're burned out, and they're leaving churches. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 23, 1 through 7. Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to the disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. That's controlling is what that is. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men, they make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, and greetings uh, in the marketplaces. So even though this was a long time ago that Jesus is speaking, Jesus was saying this, the scribes and Pharisees psychologically manipulated the people making them try hard to measure up to the law of Moses, and therefore they had this burden of service. I must measure up. I must do it just right. And so there is the rest from the burden of self. It's no longer my way, it's God's way. It's no longer I but Christ. There is a rest from the burden of service. Busy for God, wrong motives. Busy for God, performance mindset. Have to stop all that because Jesus says, I'm giving you rest. I'm going to show you how he does that just in a moment. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says this, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Now, the Bible talks about a number of rests. One of rest is what's called creation rest. God created the heavens and the earth, and what did he do? He rested. Creation rest. But then there's also what's called Calvary rest. Jesus Christ, bearing our sin upon his body on the cross, cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He literally died bearing 
all of your sin and mine, that's called Calvary rest. And then there's another rest. It's the rest that I'm talking about right now. It's when you say, as a Christian, during your life on this earth, I choose to let it be no longer I but Christ. I rest and I choose to be weak that he might be strong in me. Like John Baptist said, I decrease that he might what? Increase. There is a rest of surrender for a spirit-filled believer now here on this earth. And then the Bible teaches there is a future rest. And what rest is that? Praise God, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Amen. I'm looking forward to that rest. Where you cease to live, your spirit and your soul goes to heaven, and your works here on this earth are completed. Those are the rest that the Bible talks about. Someone has said this, weary, working, burdened one, wherefore toil you so? Cease your doing. All was done long, long ago. We would be surprised how much stewing and stirring around and, and working and fretting and fuming when if we really got an eternal perspective on things, we would see things as complete and finished. I need to just walk and abide in this. You see, many souls today, remember, your soul is where your mind is, where you think, your emotions where you feel, and it's where your will is where you make choices. Many souls today suffer from all kinds of conflict and tension who are seeking to find a cure in Christian service without spiritual power. I want to encourage you, don't do that. Learn the message of surrender first. When you do that, your giftedness rises to the top. Third and last thing is this. We've talked about the rest of salvation and the rest of surrender. Lastly, the rest of conscience. The highest part of our being is our spirit. We're made up, spirit, soul, and body. The highest part of our being is our spirit. Our spirit is where our conscience is. Our spirit is where our intuition is. Our spirit is where you and I fellowship. Really a better word is communion with God. That's what happens in our spirit. And so there is not only a rest of soul, but there's a rest of conscience. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That almost seems like a contradiction. What does he mean by this? To be under the yoke in Bible times meant to be in submission. You see, we choose to live this way, and by the power of His Holy Spirit, He works our submission out in our lives by opening up fresh areas in our personalities in which we find, even though there's still conflict and, and sometimes uh, rebellion in our lives, His Spirit pushes these things out of our life. He does that as we yield more and more to Him. Living in submission, we find increasing rest. To be under yoke in Bible times speaks of service. Submission and service. But listen, the ox in the yoke is a picture of patient, steady, listen, God-appointed labor. 
My friend, listen, anything God brings your way, I'm telling you what, He didn't call us to be successful. He called us to be faithful. And as you and I walk by the Spirit, walk by faith, the yoke that He puts on us is well suited for us. Our personalities, the way we are, and it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the, and the way this works is we're living in submission to the yoke that we're under, and there's no resistance. What's bad is when we put the yoke of service on us that we're not equipped to do, we're powerless because we don't understand what submission and surrender is. And my friend, it's just like a colt wanting to buck you off because you put a saddle on him. It's rough. And so this is a picture of a child of God who is at rest in the midst of hard work and service for the Lord. Also, he says in verse uh, 29, look what he says in verse 29, Matthew 11. He says, learning from him. He says, and what? You will find rest for your souls. You see, learning from him causes rest for your soul. The fact that you're here right now hearing this message, me showing you something out of one passage shows you the rest from the burden of sin, salvation, and the rest from striving and struggling is the rest for the believer as we surrender our will to his control. If you had not been under this message, and if you're paying attention, you wouldn't distinguish these two things. But the way you apply this message, I promise you, you will experience immediate results if you choose to live under submission to the yoke of God, even in all service that you do, I'm telling you, you're going to have joy even in the service as he's empowered you. So he says, learn from me and you'll find rest for your souls. And so when your soul is at rest because you are saved and you are surrendered, there will be about you a gentleness and a meekness and a lowliness. The Lord Jesus, when he walked this earth as the Son of Man, was subjected to all kinds of stress and strain. Uh, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he literally sweat drops of blood. But he never showed the slightest sign of uh, losing his peace. You remember when he was on the front of the boat, and uh, there was a storm, and, and the boat was going to be turned over, it seemed like. And what happened? They found him asleep. He not worried about anything. He stood up and said, peace, be still. And it all calmed down. But he's also the one who said, I don't do anything of myself but only what the Father says to me and does through me. I'm in Him and He's in me. And you and I can say the same things. Now, what is meekness? What is meekness? In the Greek, meekness has the thought of an animal being broken in. Uh, the Greek word pros is translated meek. The Greek word pros is used in one other special sense. It is used as Midas in Latin, that is, for a beast which has been tamed. A horse which was once wild, but has become obedient to the bit and bridle. So I want to ask you, you say, I'm a child of God. What you're saying is, Christ lives in me. Let me ask you, is there a meekness and humility about you? Or would you say, I don't know about that. You know, people know that uh, pretty much, uh, well, I open uh, my mouth and stick my foot in it all the time. People know how I am. Well, either you're that way because you've never come to the submission part, surrender, or possibly you've never been born again. Why else would you be that way and be proud of it instead of grieved? When we choose to live 
a life that's not under control. And basically, meekness is strength under control. When we choose to live a life not under the control of the Spirit of God, there's not going to be the meekness of the Lord Jesus Christ in us. We're going to be sarcastic. We're going to be cutting with our speech. We're going to have a mean spirit about it. Why are we like that? It's because, my friend, we were born dead in our trespasses and sins, and we still have what's called the indwelling principle of sin. Though it's crucified with Christ on the cross, you and I still have to succumb to the control of the Holy Spirit within us, or all this other just bleeds through our personalities, our speech, and from the issues of our heart. And so we should be meek. Let me ask you, are you more like a horse kicking, bucking, unruly? Or would you say you're more like an oxen that has the yoke upon them and it's just steadily plodding, knowing I'm not going to live forever. I'm going to do what the Bible tells me to do, not out of a sense of performance, but because he's in me and I'm submitted to him. And this is what he does through me as I abide in him. And so Jesus was submissive to the Father. So how, how can you and I choose not to be submissive to God? Jesus was submissive to the Father. John six thirty eight. Jesus said, For I have come from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And in John ten seventeen through 18, Jesus said, Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. You and I have a command on us. Deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow Him. It's not something we need to think about doing. We need to say, I surrender all. This is the way I'll live. This is my choice. I have the power to live my own life, but I'm going to have a turbulent soul. Okay, I have another power within me, the Spirit of God. I'm going to choose to let Him have me, and He's going to bring peace to your troubled soul. Now, look at Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. There He was at the cross. There He was being crucified. And what did He say? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He's meek. He's gentle. He's forgiving. Is that your mindset? It's not normally my mindset. Somebody hurts me, I want to hurt them back. But this Jesus who lives in you and me by the power of the Holy Spirit, He's meek, He's gentle, He's humble in heart. And when we're submissive to Him, in yoke with Him, in step with His Spirit, that's how we're going to respond to those who hurt us. Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they are doing. What is lowliness? The word translated lowly is in other places translated humble. A picture of this is Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 7. Paul says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. You say, well, my mind's not too lowly. Well, then let Mr. Lowly live through you, and this will happen. Let each esteem others better than himself. I'm not too good at that. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. He said, let this mind be in you, the yoke. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, 
taking the form of a bondservant. And so, ask yourself this question. Are you truly born again? Do you have the rest from that initial burden of sin? Pastor, I've got that. Well, praise the Lord. Well, why am I troubled? Why am I tormented in my soul? It's because to you, to submit, to live surrendered and submissive to you is weakness. Well, according to Scripture, weakness is strength. According to Scripture, decreasing increase. What's holding it all back? Your human will in your soul. See, when you surrender, He frees you up and things happen more naturally. But when you say, oh, what are they going to think? Well, you can't say that to me. Uh, You're upstaging me. And you live this way, what happens? You're in control. You're tense in your soul. Uh, You feel like you're about to be displaced or you feel like something's being taken away from you. You say, well, Jesus didn't worry about his reputation. You're worried about your reputation and you're tense in your soul. And you know, when you live that way for a long time as a child of God, eventually, I don't know when it'll be, but you'll begin to wonder, are you saved? You say, well, I want this freedom. Just give up and enjoy the rest of the life that you got. Because if you choose to make it all about you, you're going to continue to feel tense in your soul, and that affects all of your being, even your body. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.